Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I am so excited. We're going to have a fun conversation today. I can already tell because the pre-conversation has been super fun. So it's going to be fun. Our guest is Hope Savara. And I'm not really sure what we're going to be talking about. I don't think any of us are. <laughs> so let's let's hear where it takes us. Hope is an interesting adult with her own neurodivergence and has used that to create some businesses in a world. You can find all of her bio in the show notes, of course, but the founder of Mother Trucker Yoga and is a business coach and speaker and creative adult human doing some interesting stuff in the world. So welcome. Hope it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on. I think this is going to be an amazing conversation together today, and I can't wait to get started. Awesome. Hope, why don't you start us off by just giving us a little bit of the backstory? How did you end up getting where you are, doing what you're doing? Fill us in. Well, for 15 years, I owned and operated a yoga studio, and I really found yoga, or I should rather say yoga found me, uh, knee-deep in addiction. I was struggling with a plethora of eating disorders, drugs, alcohol, had massive social anxiety, was struggling with depression. And I don't want to say my family gave up on me, but it was kind of like, They didn't know what else to do for me. And I was at work. I was think a late teenager. And one of my colleagues, I was a lifeguard at the time and uh, working at a rec center. And she looked at me and said, you look like somebody that would practice yoga. And something (laughs) in me just tripped. And I went home and I was living at home at the time. And I said, mom, I think I want to practice yoga. Full disclosure, I live in a small town in Wisconsin. I don't even think I knew what yoga was. But it sounded uh, but something good. <laughs> in me just like pulled me to it. And I had been struggling trying to get into recovery. I mainly struggled with food, but the anxiety, the depression, man, that was real. And yeah. my first yoga class Although I was doing everything wrong, holding my breath, shaking like a banshee, when I rolled up my mat and walked out the door for the first time in years, I had felt clear and Mm. calm and I felt like a normal person. And my Wednesday night yoga class became a weekly ritual of second chances. And that eventually led me to a yoga teacher training, eventually led me to open up my own studio because I was looking for a tribe of people just like me and I couldn't find it. So why not create my own tribe? And so that's really why I started a studio. And I didn't realize that would help me heal on the flip side. But I was always looking for something more. And so even though in the yoga space, uh, my studio was successful, I was running trainings, I had done some speaking and teaching, 
I felt like this wasn't really where I belonged. And then five years ago, I was at a local business mixer in my hometown here in Wisconsin. And I knew everybody in the room except for this guy. And I start talking to him. We're at a table and I was trying to pitch him corporate yoga because I thought, well, that might be the next step for me to grow my business. And he looks at me and says, do you have anything for truck drivers like in the cab of the truck? And I think I'm funny sometimes. And I threw up my hands and I said, mother trucker yoga, just trying to get a rise out of this guy, just trying to make a conversation a little less painful. And he doesn't even flinch. He sticks out his hand and says, that's brilliant. You want to go into business together? The next morning, he calls me up. Four months later, we build a business from scratch. We meaning me. And then a year later, I bought him out of the business. And for the last five years, I've been helping truck drivers who are living sedentary lifestyles change lanes in their health and fitness with small, simple changes, many of which they can do right behind the cab of the truck. And I've been loving it ever since. I love it. There's so many things I would love to talk to you about. Diane warned Hope in the beginning that I used to teach yoga in a previous life as well. And so there are a million things I want to talk to you about because I used to teach pregnancy yoga, but I also taught bed yoga, like what do you do when you're on bed rest or what, you know, so chair yoga, all kinds of things. So lots of synergy. And over the years, when I got into coaching, what I discovered was that coaching was the verbalization of yoga. Hmm. Yoga is about being present to your to where you are and in your body and in your space and very much so is coaching. And so you've also moved, I understand, into doing some business coaching as well. Correct. Yeah. Kind of the the involvement of my brand with Mother Trucker Yoga and the things that I've done, the the coaching with speaking and and business development has just kind of manifested or just kind of grown because people are like, hey, how do you do what you did? Can you help me? And so I just believe that when you're in alignment with the right things, you're doing what your purpose is. uh, Things really do just kind of come to you with work, of course. But for me in the yoga space, and I spent so many years there, I really believe that that was really for my healing. And yeah. teaching forced me to show up. Uh, if any of those, you, those yes. of you listening struggle with anxiety or depression or addiction, like you avoid like running. I, I was a professional runner, but not the kind you think because it was uncomfortable. And if I'm leading the class, I can't cancel. Okay. So it forced me to heal. It forced me to show up and deal with the stuff that yeah. I wouldn't. And that was big and scary. And what I realized was there was a lot of other people that were struggling like I was, you know, mm-hmm. they just were hiding it well, or they didn't find the resources they could. And so the yoga mat really did become my incubator for my everyday life. I always believe that you come to the mat raw and you kind of rebuild. And yeah. that's really what I did was I was rebuilding who I was one piece at a time, because I had perfected the art of not listening to myself. And now that I have kids, I have three kids, you know, that's really like my number one thing as a parent is I don't want them to struggle like I did because I was struggling with addiction, depression, and anxiety. You know, I would say from fifth grade on, I didn't know what it was, but I knew I was struggling. I knew that I was different from everybody else and I didn't have the resources soon enough in life. So I'm like ultra high alert with my kids trying to help them navigate life with real tools. Well, and the term you just used that really jumps at me is that what happens with complex kids, and you were what we call a complex kid, and what she shared with us earlier that hasn't come up yet was she also had dyslexia, right? So which kind of cascades into some of these other issues. What happens is that they do become 
fabulous at denial and disconnection and avoidance. They're masterful at it. But the other thing that you spoke to that I think is so important for, for these kids is that it's a little harder for them to know themselves. And if the parents don't necessarily understand them or invite them to know themselves, then you end up in this in this place where that disconnection or that avoidance becomes way easier than the effort of trying to understand myself. You know, as a kid, my mom was a great mom and she always told me, you know, it's okay to be different, like be yourself. But the piece missing from that conversation that I'm super aware of as a parent now is she never told me how. (laughs) Like she kept telling me what to do, but she was never telling me how to do that. And so there was constant struggle mentally for me. Like I don't fit in. I'm different than everyone else. Why is this so much harder for me from things as simple as why am I such a slow reader? And why is this not making sense to me to why do I look at life differently than all of my peers? Well, now I'm getting made fun of for it. And I wasn't getting the toolbox to help me face those challenges. And I think that's part of the reason. And and, and I have a lineage of, of people in addiction in my family. So I'm sure that didn't help, but that default to that just all felt that more comfortable because at least that I could control. At least that was consistent. At least I could be good at perfecting something. And as an adult, recognizing that, hmm, those things don't really help you get what you want in life. This is where I think the yoga piece played in. And and I have fostered this for my children. You have to have practices. You have to have tools that you can use to get to know you. I always tell my kids, you're on Team Krebs. That's our last name. My my name is hyphenated. Like, if you don't know how to be on Team Krebs, you don't know how to be you. Like, you can't go play baseball and be on a team. You can't go and, and do volleyball because you don't know who you are. How can you contribute to something? And I feel like our society is so backwards um, with that. We're so obsessed with being a part of things that we never take the time to figure out us. And I can't go back in time. But I think if I would have had that nurtured a little bit more, with some concrete support, I would have been able to navigate some of the neurodivergence that I had and some of the things that spun off of that as a kid, or at least as a a young adult. Well, and part of what you're describing is just that awareness that we need a toolbox. And part of it that we talk about a lot is the fact that not everybody's toolbox is the same. And so it's really hard because it's like, I can tell you how I did it. I can tell you how I can tell you how I wish my parents had done it for me. And that may ultimately not be the ideal formula for your kids. So I'm curious about the the conversations and the like I have this visual of the vinyasa and the, the yoga flow between you and your kids and the conversation back and forth about the toolbox and the acceptance and the awareness and all that other stuff. So, and the ownership. And yeah. the ownership, right? Well, I think for me, you know, so much of who I am as an adult um, living in recovery now and doing well and also now raising my kids is based in yoga, is based in learning to be okay with discomfort learning how to use your voice and having that conversation with my kids of, you know, just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean they don't like you. Recognizing that grades are not the only way to measure success and showing them the other aspects of life and how it is that we can see if we're doing what we should be doing. And so that toolbox is really fostered in the yoga of being present 
being still, being okay with who we are, you know, breathing practices, tapping, just even little things like stretching and foam rolling. And now my oldest is almost 15. And, you know, having these physical practices, because he's at the weight room and he's doing football. And I'm like, hey, 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 you also need to take care of your body. You need to slow down. You need to breathe or you're going to have physical consequences. And that time out that we're creating for him at 15 in a culture that's like, go, 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 I'm invincible. I feel like is really fostering him a, a mentality and attitude with life that like, I need to learn to self-regulate. I need to learn what's enough for me. I need to notice what pain feels like. I need to slow down when I'm tired. And I don't think I learned those things until I was in my late twenties, if not thirties, that like, I need to self-monitor and then take action on that with a toolbox of things that I can do afterwards. Like massage is not foreign to him. I was just doing cupping on him last night because he's like, I can't get rid of this back pain and I'm doing all the things you told me. And I went to the chiropractor. And so practicing these things for him to realize that he actually can be in the driver's seat of his life. He is one of my children that has dyslexia. So I understand that mentality for him too in his struggles and not seeing that as a bad thing, but seeing that as a really a, a positive. So there are other directions I'm going to go, but say a little bit more about seeing the dyslexia as a positive for yourself and for your kid. Yeah. And I didn't realize this till probably a few years ago, but I have connected the dots in my own life. And then I'll translate this to my kids. I believe that dyslexia for me has afforded me the ability to, or should I say forced me to look at life differently. Because I couldn't just show up, let's just say, to school and read the book and close it and answer all the questions on the worksheet. Like, that was really hard for me. Like, I couldn't just take the math test because I was transposing numbers that weren't there. I couldn't just show up and, and meet the status quo and skate by. I had to kind of find my own processes, my own rhythm. And although I wish maybe that would have been a little bit easier to do, it did afford me a very unique perspective in life. And I think this is why my path has been so different than my peers and maybe why I'm an entrepreneur as well, because I didn't fit the mold. I didn't fit the wake up, you know, work nine to five and go home because I am a little bit of a squirrel. You know, I am a little bit of a procrastinator and I'm starting to believe that some of those traits actually are good things. We look at them like they're bad things, but I'm thinking that they're good things. I like to believe that they're good things because they really change how I look at something so simple compared to everybody else. They're like, how do you do that? Oh, it's just my brain. And so that celebrating neurodiversity, I think is a great thing to do. But quite frankly, I don't even know if we need a label. I don't even know if we need to call it that. It's just a new perspective on life. And when it comes to parenting, for me, I have one child that struggles academically more than the other two do. And it's really taught me and reminds me how I have to look at each of my kids individually. And I have to be able to constantly pull them apart from each other because they'll look at each other and be like, you don't do that with Meredith. You don't do that with Ivan. Why does Harper always get that? Those are my three kids. And I constantly remind them that their space in this world is very different. How they see the world is very different. Their needs are very different. What their path is going to be is very different. And it's about finding the tools that best equip them 
to handle the challenges that are in front of them. And that's really what I've been trying to do for them since birth and also set them up for success that, you know, you might graduate high school, college is not for everyone. Or you know what? Maybe you decide at 17, you just want to get your GED and go in this direction and trying to open their eyes to the different paths. I feel like for me, that's what being dyslexic, that's what seeing the world differently has afforded me is the ability to find the path less traveled and make that my path and just go all in. And I don't know about you ladies, but when someone tells me I can't do something, it's like instantly I have to do it anyways to show them that I can do it. (laughs) Well, and so I want to bring in another segment of our audience because part of what you're calling to is creativity and parenting. And I remember really distinctly getting to a point where I was aware that my kids were learning differently. Like I have one that's a visual processor and one that's an auditory processor. And I remember distinctly when I figured out, oh, wait, they have to memorize their spelling words differently. Like one of them has to write them. One of them has to recite them in their head. And it was just that simple distinction that made such a difference. And I think that that for me is part of this as parents. It's just that acknowledgement that your kid's different. Your kids may be different than each other. Your kid may be different than you. So there's this opportunity to be a little bit creative, a little bit aware. So I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I know we need to take a break first. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. Great. So Diane, you just kind of prompted this beautiful question for Hope about speaking to the individual needs of our kids. Hope, Hope, what's coming up for you? A couple of things. One, the individuality is definitely, it's like you're on point with me, Diane. The individuality of kind of treating my kids uniquely is one piece. But the other piece as a parent that I've noticed as they get older is coming up is the explanation to them that this is going on. That my middle child, Meredith, is very self-sufficient. I never need to remind her to do homework. I never really need to ask her if she's even done it. Um, And she'll come to me naturally if she needs help. Where my older son, the one that has dyslexia, the one that, you know, definitely more of a creative thinker in that way, um, I need to remind him. I need to set him up with tools and I need to set him up with a schedule. And on Monday, I need to prep with him about what the week will look like and remind him every single night about what's on the docket. Like if he has a test coming up or he has that, like we need to continue to prompt him for that. And it might look like I'm paying more attention to him, to my middle child. And it has in the past. I have to go to Meredith, my middle daughter and say, Hey, this is why this is like this. This is what you're seeing. And I try to show them the other perspective so they don't feel life that left out. They don't feel isolated. They don't feel like, oh, you care about him more than others. But trying to have that open conversation that, quite frankly, my parents never had with me and my sisters growing up. There was never like a we treat you all differently, but the same. Um, But even then, I mean, that's pretty vague. But I try to help my kids see why things happen so they can also look at school and go, oh, 
that kid's getting more attention because of this, or, oh, maybe I should advocate for this person at school because it looks like he's struggling. And I think perspective in life, no matter what age you have, is really such an invaluable tool to not mm. only cultivate compassion and generosity, but also a self-awareness and self-advocating. One of the mm. rules we have at, at, at my house is you need to ask more than once to be able to get your papa, my husband and I, to, to follow through with it. Because we all say we want something, but you have to show me that you want it. And so they might say, oh, I want to play baseball. But if I only hear about it once and then nothing after that, do you really want to play baseball or do your friends want to play baseball? And yeah. I love that part of the conversation and them deciding and advocating for themselves what they really want. And what I want to highlight from what you're saying is a couple of things. One is, is if we don't give kids an explanation for what's going on for themselves, what they're going to make up about themselves is a whole lot worse. And they're going to make up that they're lazy, crazy, or stupid. So I want to just acknowledge what you're saying, which is if we're open and transparent without blame, without shame, without judgment, then our kids can can raise that self-awareness to be able to move into self-management that you're speaking to. The other thing that came up as you were saying that, that I think is really powerful is how important it is for all of our kids to know that their needs are going to get met, but they're not always going to be the same. You know, I used to say it to my kids all the time is, is all of you are going to get your needs met, but they're not all the same. And what you want and what you want or what you need and what you need are not the same. And so giving- And not at the same time either. Right. Right. So giving everybody permission to be their own individual human and to get their needs met and to advocate for themselves. It's a really powerful message that I'm hearing from you today. I love it. We need to start wrapping up. Go ahead, Doc. No, what I was going to say is is uh, tell people how to best connect with you. Where do they find you? Yes. Well, you can find me on social, just Hope Zavara, Z-V-A-R-A. I often post, I call it a daily dose of hope. And I share about parenting and my kids and and just kind of the life that I'm living now. And and a lot of my struggles, I'm pretty transparent in what I'm doing. And so I'd love to be able to connect uh, with anyone that's on here in those ways. And, And same thing on my website, Hope Zavara. ZVARA.com. So pretty easy. Uh, you can check out what I'm up to and uh, maybe even connect over some parenting strategies and tips. Uh, and it's, it, all the information you need will be in the show notes, everybody. And we'll, we'll pull a couple of concepts from this conversation and, and add some extra links for everybody to, to be able to follow through. Anything else as we wrap up this conversation, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners or something you hope parents will take away from today? Yeah, I'll leave all the listeners with this. You don't need a label. You don't need to have the exact thing that you or your child have to be able to serve them, to be able to step back and say, what does my child need right now? I am not a therapist. I'm not a social worker, but I am a parent just like you raising three kids and just trying to do the best thing I can and put my best foot forward. And one of the ways I do that every single day is when I wake up in the morning and my feet hit the ground, uh, waking up from my bed, I take a moment before I start my day, before I wake my kids up and I just try to be present mm. I take a breath, ground myself so that when I step into the day, cause one of them might wake up cranky or maybe I have somebody that, you know, cancels an appointment or whatever it is, who knows what's going on. If I'm not, 
in me, if I'm not practicing self-care, if I'm not at my best, that trickles down to my spouse, to my children, and then to my children at school. And that ripple effect is much bigger than we think. And the good news is, is that to be present, to practice self-care can be something as simple as you just taking a a few deep breaths in the morning when you wake up. You just saying an affirmation to yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror. Mel Robbins says, give yourself a high five every morning in the mirror and say, (laughs) you are amazing. And just really advocating for yourself that you are worth it. So your kids see that as well. Uh, Like I told you all in the beginning, I am in recovery and I don't want my kids to go through what I went through. And so I look at myself in the mirror every single morning when my feet hit the ground and I take my three deep breaths and remind myself of my why. Remind myself to be present, take care of myself, go to yoga, do whatever I need to do so that they can put their best foot forward, not just me, so that they can. So how can you put your best foot forward today so that your kids can do the same? Mm, love that. It always comes back to us, doesn't it? That's it totally does in a selfish way, a selfless way, not yes. a selfish way. Yeah. yeah. So Hope, do you have a favorite quote or motto you want to leave our audience with today? I have one thing I have said to myself for many years, and it is stand up for what you believe in, even if you're standing alone. And so what is it that you need to stand up for today in your personal life, in your professional life, in your family, with your friends, with your coworkers? Be willing to stand up, knowing that it might look a little different to other people. It might even be confusing to other people. But if it rings true for you, know that that is enough. And man, if you see it through get ready and buckle up because your life is about to change. Mm, love that. Beautiful. Thank you Beautiful. so much, Hope. This has been amazing. Well, you guys are so fun and what a great audience to serve. And so I'm so glad that I was able to be on today. Thank you. It was delightful to have you. And we couldn't agree with you more. We, we love the audience we get to serve every day. So to those of you tuning in and listening, we want you to take a moment. We want to invite you to take a moment for yourself to think about what are you taking away from today's episode? What's one insight you want to take forward with you into the week? What's coming up for you? All the different pieces of this conversation that we've had today about parenting, about neurodiversions, neurospiciness, self-advocacy. What are you taking away that will guide you into your week? And for all of you listening, thank you so much for what you're doing for yourselves and for your family. At the end of the day, you make the difference. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.